One, two, three. Welcome to the Smartest Amazon Seller Podcast. I am your host, Scott Needham. I'm an Amazon seller. I have been doing many things uh, on the platform for years, including I've been shut down as a seller. Uh, you know, we managed to go unscathed for a few years. And then it started to happen a little bit more regularly, but usually with different issues and has forced us to invest in knowledge and training. And that is why I am so glad to bring on the podcast um, one of the people that I have heard recommended to me as the, uh, like just, just an expert, absolutely knows um, Amazon seller account health. So I have with me Chris McCabe. Welcome. Yeah, thanks for, yeah, thank you for having me, and I applaud your investment in knowledge and skills for this uh, subject in particular. Oh, it, it's paid off in so many ways, but mainly mm -hmm. the way that I care about is uh, it pays off in me sleeping better at night. Right, right. Peace of mind, right? Um, it, it really is a lot nicer when, uh, just to get things real serious, like uh, a month ago, our account went under review. We were told like, here's the five different things going on. I mean, the few different like uh, cases to like look into. And the fact that we already had um, the appeals in process, we already had uh, documentation on, on, on all fronts. I, mm -hmm. Our plan of action was kind of, easy because of that investment of knowledge. It's something that, you know, I, I'm going to always, you know, continue to invest in, make sure our employees always know about these policies and always know um, uh, where Amazon, you know, <laughs> flexes their muscles. Right. You so, were prepared. I mean, yeah. that's, that's a big part of our advocacy is don't rush into a mad scramble when this happens to you. And in some cases, if you are scrambling, running around chicken with your head cut off style, it means that you weren't really doing things you could have been doing before the suspension hit, right? Yeah. So if you, you know, look at your plan of action, a lot of times like the future prevention section, which I don't know what yours looked like in particular, but all right. of those action items, bulleted steps, you look at it like after you've been reinstated and you think, you know, if I had done these 10 things before the suspension, maybe I wouldn't have been suspended. Absolutely. <laughs> and sometimes I, we ask ourselves that question. Like if we were to get suspended tomorrow, like what would be the reason? Okay. Well, let's just like get proactive on that. Yeah. And um, I'm not going to be here and say that Amazon is like the fairest platform. You know, mm -hmm. we've all heard of uh, some, notorious stories of where maybe Amazon social support has dropped the ball, but by in large, I think when people get suspended, there is, you know, a measure of guilt there. <laughs> like there are, uh, there's a basis. Yeah. Yeah. yeah whether, like, it's, whether it's guilt per se, or just their interpretation of what you're doing wrong. They're not making up a basis. There's a basis of the suspension. Yeah. Uh, right. That, that's yeah. uh, guilt's probably not the right word to use, but like that, um, there's things that people could have done to stay further from the line, you know, further from suspicion. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's not a matter of like, uh, if, you know, you're going to brush shoulders with the account health team, but kind of win. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. um, well, Chris, what got you into this space? And, uh, and I mean, give any information to your background that you think uh, 
has helped given you a perspective that's been helpful. Right. I mean, the reason I started e-commerce, Chris, I started consulting sellers was based on my experience working on those teams, the seller, so-called seller performance teams. And in my remaining, I guess, months or year that I worked at Amazon, I saw that the quality of the work of that team was going downhill. Oh, wow. um, the managers in charge, the people who are responsible for, let's say, managing the marketplace or managing seller investigations. I saw a lot of things going in the wrong direction. Certainly the messaging has been trending downward for years. Now it's completely murky and very difficult to decipher what they want, what they're talking about when they, when they suspend your account or when they warn you that they're reviewing your account. Um, very obscure language, very generic copy and paste. So I saw that trend coming in. Um, I saw a lot of bad decisions around me while I was sitting in that chair. Um, and I thought I could, you know, sort of better serve the Amazon seller population on the outside by advising, counseling, providing guidance and advice um, as a consultant versus. Yeah, so. um, it, it does feel like uh, so how many years ago was it that you. Uh, uh, I left eight years ago now. OK, yeah. I d so. Uh, I actually see that Amazon is taking a few more steps to be a little bit more proactive and actually yep. consulting with sellers mm -hmm. um, and, and maybe a little doing, bit more. <laughs> yeah, maybe doing what you yeah. envisioned, you know, mm -hmm. should have been done. Maybe they're slowly rolling some of that out. Like we, yeah. we got a, we got a call uh, a few months ago. We're saying like, you're not under review but you might be. And here's why, like, here's why you would get under review. Yeah. Account health, account health services didn't exist when I was there. That's a re recent creation. I feel like any effort that Amazon puts to keeping sellers uh, active, all mm -hmm. it. I'll be like, good. This is like, this, yeah. is, this, is, this is the right direction. I think one positive step they made this year into last year is they understood they have to change the nature of the engagement. Now we might argue whether or not they could be doing more, whether the engagement's quality. I've got my own qualms with the account health reps uh, that I've, I've listened in on a lot of their calls with my clients. Sometimes they give good information, sometimes not so good, sometimes misleading. It's very mixed, very inconsistent. So they are trying to engage more. They understand at least now it's on their radar screen that sellers aren't happy. I think if you go back a couple of two, three years, they weren't even aware or didn't care that sellers weren't happy. So now they're at least kind of aware of this. It's in the public realm. Yeah. Yeah. Sheesh. <laughs> a lot to peel back from there. But um, so, um, you know, I, I actually had our, uh, so our team, uh, Buy Boxer, we have an employee and, you know, she, actually listened to you talk about at uh, a Prosper webinar and have a few mm -hmm. questions that she's like, I'm like, oh, these are exactly the type of questions that I hear about. So I, I prepared uh, you with some, but something that's pretty common is like, if you can't get a response from Amazon, what is the best way to escalate if you don't pay for an account, Amazon account manager? Well, a lot of our clients have account managers, but they're not performing functions that relate to pushing seller performance for responses. They say they can open a ticket for you. They can try to follow up with you by doing, you know, a couple of internal actions, but that we don't see that moving the needle much. That's why we end up doing more of that heavy lifting than the account manager does. So um, while account managers can be useful for certain tasks and sometimes they can create an internal escalation, if you're really getting, you know, pushed around and nothing's happening, um, but that's in minority of cases. Usually doing our external escalations is more productive, more useful than their 
internal working. And also uh, we've talked to a lot of account managers that are very hands-off about it. They just say, look, I can't push them. It's, it's outside of my wheelhouse. I, I, I've done as much as I can. Some of them have been very definitive where they draw that line and say that that's not what their monthly work with you is all about. They, really? they are, they're getting to the point where they understand that that's not a good enough answer because loads of sellers are just ditching their account managers. Well, and when we, when <laughs> they we don't want to pay. Yeah. When, we, when we got an account manager, that's what justified the cost yeah. um, was um, if this keeps us uh, less time suspended, then it's worth it. And then when we realized that like, well, um, we'd like to have this, but it may not be worth it. We actually left the program ourselves. Okay. And, so you know uh, what I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh, you know. very much so. And um, a lot of sellers think it's a panacea. They think, you know what, this is worth the investment. This will solve our seller performance problems, or it'll go a long way towards easing the burden and the pain of those problems. Um, I've had a lot of sellers contact me before they agree to join the paid program. Um, and I paint a picture of reality, which is, you know, it depends on who you get. Somebody might be proactive. They might be a ghost. Somebody might help you resolve these problems. Um, unfortunately, a lot of times I'm on these three-way calls, seller, account manager, and me. And I'm kind of not just saying, hey, in our experience, we've tried this. Maybe you can try that. I'm doing more than that. I'm coaching the account manager on this is what needs to happen. This is what, I, this is what yep. you need to do. You know, I'm yep. like not even employed there anymore and I'm doing yep. their part for them, which is- I, kind of I, I, I feared that as they grew this program in the last two or three years, because um, yeah. they've had this program, they've had account managers for sellers for uh, yeah. seven, seven years or so. Yeah, and, like eight years, yeah. And, um, but like about two or three years ago, they actually made a push to make it a bigger thing. And they mm -hmm. kind of grew their team. And I was like, that's not always a good thing. Uh, <laughs> growing the team and, you know, advertising this service because, yeah. you know, you kind of dilute some of the expertise, some of the connections mm -hmm. that the older account managers had. Um, you know, specifically, we had one or two TAM uh, technical account managers that they just had the connections. And they're super valuable. Uh, but then we've had other account managers where they kind of like do what you were saying. They, they don't know all the, the things that they can do. Right. Um, Some of them just haven't been trained. I mean, it, it's, it's not going to be a useful program for seller performance related issues until they start training account managers on what seller performance is <laughs> and how it operates. And until they resolve some of the, I mean, some account managers were doing things they weren't supposed to be doing to help out their sellers that created problems where Amazon had to limit their reach and limit the scope of their access to certain tools, which yep. made them less likely and less able to help. So that's not their fault necessarily, but yeah. there's just a lot of moving pieces there and um, you have to kind of coach them through it as it is now until they turn that corner where they're going to come at you and say, part of my program with you is to help you resolve ASIN suspensions, policy warnings, violations, false positives, right? We're seeing, what are we seeing this quarter? Tons of false positive warnings. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. for yeah. sure. Um, so if you don't have like a direct line, is there, to most sellers out there, is there any way to speed uh, some of this process up to get a to get a response yeah i mean we have some of our clients calling into account health like you said um sometimes that's worthwhile sometimes it's not but just to find out the main reason why you're contacting them these days is to get a yes or no on has this been reviewed or not i know that sounds basic 
because if it's been reviewed, you should have gotten a response. But as a lot of sellers have found out, you don't often get an answer to an appeal. Interesting. Yeah. When you counter performance notifications, we've counseled sellers for years. Sorry to interrupt. Um, no, no, no. To, to respond in writing when you get any notif almost any notification, I'll say, um, at least to get your account annotated. We don't tell people to do that anymore because odds are they're not going to respond and tell you that they've annotated the account because as it is, they're not responding to a lot of appeals to reinstate ASINs. And account health can sometimes tell you why there's been no response. And what's even more alarming, and hopefully 2021 won't be like this, is that sometimes account health says, oh, they're not going to respond. They've already reviewed it and they've already denied it. And you weren't even told, you're waiting. Oh, wow. So does everyone have access to account health now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You should be able to call into account health, I, I, not I support. I, I hasten to not seller support. We only tell people to call support if they have a glitch, technical issue, an account yeah. compromise, or if you have to like try to get to the catalog team to fix something listing related. We uh -huh. don't have any of our clients dealing with support yeah. or anything else. But, and just to like make things clear for uh -huh. those that might be new, but like, I think we've, we're talking about three different kind of teams on Amazon right we now. Are. Uh, there's seller performance, they're the judges, you know, like they're just like the mm -hmm. ones that lay down a punishment or whatever, that's seller performance. Then there's account health. This is mm -hmm. a team that is more or less on our side, on seller's side to uh, help you understand the issues, help mm -hmm. you understand what seller performance has done. And this, it's mainly what we're talking about right now. And then there's seller support, which yeah. is like you said, the technical. Uh, right. Since we're talking mostly about reinstatement appeals and account suspensions, we can leave support out of it because right. they've got, I don't care what account health or what any team messages you to do, support can't help you with this stuff. Okay. okay. They can hurt, but they can't help. So yeah, just yeah. forget support. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just sure for, yeah. some, for some people listening, this is the, maybe the first time they've even like just distinguished between oh, yeah. three teams. No, it's uh, a good idea. So um, if a, you, you may have already kind of uh, hit on this, but when a plan of action goes unanswered, how long should you wait before calling seller support to follow up? All right, sorry. So you, uh, account health, I would say 48 to 72 hours. Once you get past, I mean, first of all, you don't want to be waiting when there's no answer coming because they've declined it and they didn't tell you, they didn't respond, uh -huh. which is very common. Um, so you can't wait too long, no matter what, it might be declined and you're yeah. waiting for nothing. Uh, 48 to 72 hours is a good yeah. rule of thumb, uh, because if it's been beyond that time, there's no reason you can't request an update either by calling account health and saying, can you resubmit this on my behalf? It doesn't look like there's an answer coming. Um, a lot of times account health, they can look at the annotations and see, yeah, it doesn't look like it was reviewed. Like it was reviewed and denied, but there's no notes. So you probably need to try this again, or it's, it, it's been opened, it's been transferred. I don't know how long that's going to take. So you're already at the point where, you know, it could be days to weeks before you get an answer. And if your entire account is suspended, I mean, who, who can wait weeks for one response? No. So, yeah. um, and say you don't, you're not getting a response. Can you submit a revised plan of action or additional information before you re receive a response from the first submission? Yeah, I mean, typically I recommend that people show me their revised POA before they send a second one. If you haven't gotten an answer and you found out that they haven't reviewed the first one yet, um, you don't necessarily jump into doing a revise because you want to see, ideally you get a response to the first one and figure out if it was enough or not. 
Right. Um, if I see the first one that you haven't gotten a reply to yet, I look at it and I, I will give it kind of a vague percentage of odds what, what their likelihood is of being reinstated. If I think it's really low, then I do encourage people to send a second POA. I know this contravenes what Account Health tells you to do. Don't forget some of their advice to you is self-serving on their side because sure. they don't want to encourage additional appeals. Um, but at the same time, if the first one's got like a 10% chance of getting through or 20%, there's no reason you can't say, we haven't heard back. We did some more digging, did some more research. We revised the POA. Please review this one, not the first one. Um, but reserve that for occasions where you really can't wait for them to respond to the yep. first one. Okay. Um, does that reset your position in the queue if you submit a second? There's, that's kind of a gray area. They love to tell you that it does. Um, the, the, the answer is yes and no, because a lot of times you'll just get stuck in that cycle anyway. You'll do whatever account health tells you to do. You'll modify the POA. You send it in. They encourage you to believe that that was going to be enough. And the answer came back denied, right? You, can, you, you can't stay in that back and forth and just cycling through and hitting appeal buttons. You're probably going to escalate it. And once you start escalating things, forget the like you're resetting your space in the queue. Mm -hmm. um, you're escalating it to a different team. You're not even dealing with seller performance anymore at that point. There's no functional way to escalate within seller performance anymore based on how they've cut off all these different email queues and channels to approach them. So you're probably going to another team anyway or a manager level uh, escalation to say, hey, we gave you everything you asked for. The POA is solid. I mean, obviously make sure before you escalate, you've got a good POA. Yeah. Um, you didn't review it. We called account health. They have no idea why it was denied, whatever the reason is. You didn't get a response. Um, you got some sort of generic copy and paste answer. So seller performance isn't getting it done. We need you to look at this and assign one of your investigators to take this over. Interesting. Wait, so... Uh, then you're not at the back of a line. You're basically yeah. in line for someone else who's higher up, who has their own team going through escalations. That's a totally different process. And it's a process that account health either doesn't understand well, or they're aware of it and they are told not to encourage it. But so it, I, we've I, seen I, people get stuck for weeks. I mean, no one would hire us if we were just like, wait three weeks and then call me and let me yeah, know what yeah, happened. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, so let me make sure that I, I may have missed a part, but like uh, you're referring to like an ability to escalate uh, something to uh, where seller performance just isn't responding. Right. Uh, is there a best way to, to, to start that process? I mean, there are a lot of publicly known figures who are managers at Amazon who write articles or give interviews or appear in front of Congress. There are a lot of people who are in charge of managing the marketplace. Those are public. No, I'm not going to name them today. Yeah. 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 But I, uh, so they're, heard, they're publicly. Okay. Yeah. Named uh, higher ups who have teams that you, that, that delegate yeah. investigations to. And, in an ideal I, world, you would not have to write to these people. But, and, 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 you know, and one of the values of, of working with you is you do know the different uh, executives or uh, employees and, and you're, able to, you're able to figure out what issues they right. care about, you know. And don't waste their time. I mean, send them, don't escalate. If you've got a, uh, what's probably a, an unacceptable or poor POA, don't just say, well, I need to escalate and I'm not sure what that means and I'm not sure what to escalate with, but I'm just going to send my POA to somebody else. Yeah. That's wasting that person's time and you're burning a bridge to that person in the future or that Absolutely. team, let's say. 
Absolutely. Um, same as you would if you were submitting multiple terrible POAs to sell a performance. You're essentially slowly burning your bridge to them too. You only get so many shots at it. That's why at the end of that email, people get sometimes it says, we might not respond to you next time. Yep. What is that? I mean, they overuse that language, but long story short, what does that mean? It means you're sending us something that's not acceptable. We're sending you messaging back that says we can't take it, right? They're not clear about why necessarily, but long story short, they're telling you we can't reinstate you. That means you have to change. Something has to be different. Yep. That's not something you can escalate with. You got a great POA. They're ignoring you. That's something you can use. Here's a specific regarding um, intellectual property appeals. How mm -hmm. do you proceed if Amazon will not accept the legitimate invoice you have provided from an authorized distributor? And the respondent is saying that they will only accept a letter of authorization or a rights owner retraction, but, but the rights owner is not responsive. Right. Complicated stuff. First off, I usually say get a reliable, consistently successful IP attorney to take a crack at it to try to get the retraction that can only help your odds. Um, maybe, you know, maybe they'll write back to the attorney more, more likely to do that than they are to write back to you. Uh, if that, if you tried that or that's not really a realistic option or the brand told you they're never going to retract it, uh, the rest of the plan of action, instead of saying we've resolved past complaints is to say, we've got a lock solid, uh, rock solid way of preventing future complaints. How do you do that? Well, I'm, just, I'm sorry, but unfortunately reselling isn't what it used to be. You have to convince them that you're not going to attract infringement claims from brands you sell in the future. So how do you do that? You get it in writing or you create agreements with those brands or you have your IP attorney work with those brands, but you can't just list and sell randomly without having any idea if they're going to submit infringements against you. That's what's changed in reselling over the last uh -huh. couple of years. And, and what is the infringement that we have a brand that we've partnered mm -hmm. with that is tried, that, that tries to enforce, you know, some governance on the channel. And right. um, they mainly do this through transparency. And that, mm -hmm. that, that's probably the best way. But yeah. uh, they have had some people uh, uh, weed through. Um, what is a brand's best control like what do, do they do trademark or are we talking copyright like what's the uh i mean the amazon doesn't enforce exclusivity so for brands selling on amazon you can't just knock people off by saying they're not authorized that's not what amazon if right. amazon wanted to do that they would let you get your brand and no one would ever pop up as a reseller right the dating doesn't exist in that form right. so this is the workaround that a lot of people do they send threatening letters they send cease and desist the bottom line is that's not Amazon's role is to enforce exclusivity and to that's your role with your distribution channels and with your resellers. That's but, your job and it's on your shoulders, not but Amazon's. They, but they do give them a little bit of uh, power through brand registry to, you know, to make trademark uh, complaints yeah. or uh, even to make IP complaints. Yes. yes. But that's not the same as enforcing authorization to resell ah. those items on Amazon. Trademark is that's rights ownership. Um, of course, a lot of brands are saying the items are counterfeit, right? Um, whether or not that can be proven, that's something that Amazon doesn't want to get involved in either. They tend to say, well, you guys go fight it out somewhere, go into court and fight about whether or not these, if they're counterfeit and there's an allegation of counterfeit, typically Amazon takes the listing down and sends a warning to the reseller. Now, of course, you can come back and say they're not counterfeit. We're disputing this. Like you said, here's the invoice. Um, but it, makes for a better argument for you to actually have a letter 
of authenticity from your supplier. If you're buying from an authorized distributor, you shouldn't be getting hit with these infringement claims from the brands anyway, right. unless, the, unless the distributor has a terrible relationship with the brand, even though they're authorized, which is kind of bizarre. Um, yeah. But the bottom line is Amazon doesn't want to referee those disputes. You have to be on good terms with the brands. And if you don't know the brand, you have to make sure your supplier, or your distributor is on good enough terms with the brand that the brand knows who you are. They know you're selling their stuff on Amazon and they yeah. don't care. They're going to yeah. let it go. Let's see. Where do you look for like information about like the changes that are happening? How are you staying up to date? Me personally? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, we're in touch with uh, all the main players, you know, all the teams, all the main players in this ecosystem all the time. So um, it's not hard for us because a lot of people volunteer information to us, whether it's sellers, whether it's Amazon, whether it's, uh, you know, other consultants, other people in the, uh, in the, in the, in the niche or the consulting business. Um, we're always up to date on this stuff. If you're talking about a seller, um, I just caution people against believing everything they see on the forums. Make sure you're vetting, you know, you're doing some fact checking, you're vetting the content before you start, before you start believing things. I don't mind if people cast, you know, cast about reading things in different areas and for comparison purposes, checking different sources is great. But before you start believing what you're reading, make sure you double check it with, with people who know. One unfortunate thing about the Amazon space is there's a lot of people who say they know. They don't tell you how they know. They just profess it because of marketing purposes and promotional sure. uh, reasons. And it's like, well, just because somebody tells you they know something doesn't necessarily mean that they know. Right. Uh, unless you hear it somewhere else or you see it in experience or you fact check it with other reliable sources. I mean, it's the same thing as checking your news your newsfeed, right? You mm -hmm. can't believe everything you see that pops up on Facebook. I mean, it's kind of the same principle. Yep. So decide with your own skill set, your own knowledge, and your own research over time, decide who you consider to be a reliable source and what rings true with your past experience and not, and then base your future judgments on those uh, past experiences. Awesome. So, so our, uh, let's see, now we're in Q4 of 2020. What's like some of the newer things? Like you, you mentioned, there's been some false positives. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the first of this year was uh, definitely all pandemic related things. Mm -hmm. And now we're kind of entering a, a different phase of that. What is Amazon really cracking on right now? Listing I, compliance, lots of listing compliance. Show us your compliance documentation. Um, a lot of supplement sellers were hit by this, but others as well. Um, safety documentation, testing documentation, making sure there's no unsubstantiated health claims in a listing, making sure there's no seller specific or what they call PDP abuse, product detail page, uh, seller specific information that refers only to you, not to other sellers who could be on that detail page with you. Uh -huh. Using so all cap style guide violations, they're obviously cracking down on the on the integrity of the catalog itself and the detail pages themselves. So everybody needs to do a clean sweep through their listing content to make sure, I mean, images too, right? Uh, they, they tend to reserve a different type of crackdown for this quarter, this cycle, whatever. Um, but eventually they get around to everything. So. Yeah. I, I kind of agree with that. That like eventually they get around to everything. If someone is like, it needs uh, some sort of safety certificate or uh, needs to get lab tested in some way. How expensive is that process or difficult? Is it, does it really vary from product to product? Or 
is there maybe like a turnkey solution to be like, okay, well, you should send your product to this location and for $300, I mean, I'm mean, throwing out a number. That's uh, the problem. There isn't, <laughs> there isn't one I'm aware of. I mean, there are compliance agencies out there. Um, there are some attorneys that specialize in FDA compliance, but in my experience, um, there's not enough of that in terms of resources out there. That's a huge gaping hole in the consulting niche, I guess you'd call it. Interesting. Um, that like compliance just kind of agencies. I mean, some, some of them exist and they're going to charge you, you know, X, Y, Z thousands of dollars to do all this for you. Whether there's a turnkey where it's like you're providing some of it, they're pushing you over the, the, the finish line. I don't know of anything like that. Um, that exists, but there's a dire need for it. Right. Sure. Well, we have, here's an example. We have a stuffed animal that uh, is manufactured in China, and mm-hmm. um, our manufacturer out there for sixty dollars, uh, you know, put it through some tests mm-hmm. and 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 like I guess enough of the documentation that was required. Right. Uh, is that a reliable method, or uh, you know, should I, I hesitate? I'm like, well, I don't know if like I could trust uh a 60 dollar method doesn't sound that reliable to me (laughs) (laughs) right there was a little Um, there was a little bit of a trust on my part when i first right right um that's the thing i mean it's it's comparable to say monthly programs that that some people offer for like protecting your account from a suspension i mean we've seen some stuff that's around a hundred bucks a month and it's, you know, highly touted services to keep you from being suspended. And if you get suspended, they take care of it for you. I mean, anything in that price point is probably amateur level where you're better off just doing it yourself. So <laughs> instead of paying a hundred bucks a month for that, or, you know, yeah. shorting, you know, a short, a short run of uh, low cost services for the compliance side, it's usually better just to like, you know, do your research, find a, a top range professional and just have it done the right way the first time. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I don't see a lot of reliable services in that range yeah. for anything Amazon. I mean, depends on what it is. If it's like uh, DIY PPC, there might be some programs out there that mm-hmm. you can, you know, do yourself. But uh, Chris, uh, so how do people get a hold of you? And uh, do you put out some of your own content? to yeah. uh, keep the community informed? Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of stuff on my blog in terms of how we stay up to date, what we hear okay. going on. And where, where's, um, your, where's your blog? Is that ecommercechris.com. I've got a blog there. Um, also doing a lot of uh, videos, which go to my Facebook page, um, Facebook group, I'm sorry, which is Amazon Seller First Class, F-I-R-S-T, First Class. Uh, we post a lot of things there. And I've got a contact form on my website. So if you have oh, a particular okay. problem you need help with, it's uh, just the contact form, which is big orange button there. Pretty hard to miss. Awesome. Well, mm-hmm. I'm going to check out your blog. I actually really enjoy, uh, you know, uh, making sure that, you know, our team knows mm-hmm. what, what's up. So um, uh, thank you so much for coming onto the show, talking about something that, uh, hits the heartstrings of many sellers, uh, both big and small, and uh, and for you know actually contributing so much to the community to make it so that we can wrestle with this beast that we know as Amazon. It's it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, uh, that wraps this up. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the show and uh, stay tuned for the good stuff we got coming on. So take care. One, two, three. Yeah!